Welcome to Decolonize to Thrive, a podcast dedicated to nourishing the soul through stimulating conversation, thought-provoking facts, and vulnerable exchange. Join me, your host, Ina Briggs, and my co-host, T. Lacey, as we disseminate what it means to decolonize the many facets of our lives. I'm so glad that we're um, opening ourselves up today to have a conversation around dating, relationships, love, uh, marriage, all the things that uh, can come up for us as we have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that society likes to pretend that our love lives are apolitical, um, but the reality is <laughs> white supremacy um, yes. has infiltrated every part of our world, including our romance and um, the way that we kind of think and behave, yeah. um, especially in, in this country and um, even as people of color. So yeah. I, I want to talk about that today. Like what, is yeah. it, what does it mean to date more from a space of like a decolonized mindset? What does it mean to question our habits and acknowledge the truths that might exist um, around the history of like race and oppression and society yeah. um, and how that influences our dating experiences. Absolutely. I feel like um, I feel like the idea that anything about the personal not being a political, not being the political is like right. whiteness at work, right? Because for for black people, and I mean like for black people generally, that is not the case. And then in thinking about how whiteness has permeated our relationships, like as a queer person, like the government is actively trying to yeah. Define what my relationships can be, right? Or define how valid they are, like in the, the eyes of the law, right? I feel like the personal is deeply the political, especially in this country, where they're trying very hard to corral you into a very certain space so you can do That's a very true. certain thing. Yeah. Right? And to take I, away your voice and to eliminate, to be honest, yeah. altogether, like the of these relationships. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, I think this is a really important conversation. I also feel like this is something we like flirt around <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. And then like, it's nice to be able to like really sit on it. Cause I think we all like to think that, or maybe we all say that our dating lives aren't as important but I think they are really important. And I think also like our sexuality is really important as humans, yeah. as, as like beings that exist in the world. And it's important yeah. for us to acknowledge that. And for balance, right? Like when we think yes. about dimensions of wellness, like our sex lives are a part of that. Like when you are not, um, you know, in tune with that aspect of yourself, there are, you know, other areas of your life that may Suffer. take on more or yeah. be exhausted because you are not feeling yourself um, in that way too. So I do think all of this is important. And whether you're dating or not, like this episode is still for you because yes, at some point you were, uh, you know, people who are, you may yes. be in a committed relationship, you may be yes. single and not dating. Um, there's still something in, in this episode for everyone. So I think so too. As, yeah. I also think like as someone who's in a committed relationship, I think these are things like think about all the time <laughs> because yeah, it's, exactly. yeah. it's like, it's not just about dating. It's also about how do you like, how do you have a relationship with someone, right? Like, how do you sustain a relationship with someone? How do you be authentic in a relationship, right? How, how, right? Like, how do you practice and, and accept love? Mm-hmm. I agree. And even that, and that can go way beyond romance because we're always doing that with the people that are in our spaces and um, the people that we're intentionally trying to build more and in, in deeper relationships with. Yeah, so yeah. this can be applied to um, all of our relationships. And so um, I'm looking forward to it. I actually want to yeah. start- uh, with with this quote that I saw, um, 
that I thought was really interesting. So it was by an author named uh, Juno Diaz, who's a Dominican-American author um, yes. that wrote about love and relationships. And he said the only kind of love that could liberate us from the horrible legacy of colonial violence is the colonial love. Mm -hmm. And that definitely leaves the question for me of like, what is decolonial love? Like, what yeah. does that mean? How do we decolonize love? Um, is that even possible? And I think that um, I definitely want to state like, there's no way we're going to answer that question in this episode. There's probably going to even be more questions than answers <laughs> yes. by the time we're done. But we definitely want to at least begin to like explore like this topic and um, how do we find a way to love each other across all of the realities that exist uh, in in society. Yeah, I do want to say briefly that Juno Diaz, which is like, it's so interesting that this quote comes from Juno Diaz, considering that he's been on the out for sexual violence. Agreed. Right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's, and I think also it's like, you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day, because I think there is something true about decolonial love. And I also think like, there's something really weird about men talking about it, who then practice this very colonial form of, like, violence or harm. I'm glad that you named that because that I think that's important to consider. Um, and that's a whole other topic, I think, it too. Because I've been talking, I feel like I've been talking about that lately a lot with people. It's mm -hmm. like, how do we or should we even separate the art from the artist? Yeah. Um, Ooh, is there value in in like what people, what we learn from people, despite some of the the horrible things that they do? We're gonna put a pin in that and we're gonna get back to it because I have so many things to say. I have so many things to say. <laughs> Definitely. So many things to say. Um so, so when we think about like dating relationships, how we approach them, um, obviously one of the things that we will be experiencing and looking forward to um, is love, you know? And I think love and the way that we define love is largely influenced by um, our values, yeah. right? Um, how we're socialized, of course, but definitely the media. The <laughs> exactly, the media, right? so much of what we take in, in terms of like popular media, movies um, and uh, productions is shaped by whiteness. Yeah. Um, so finding love is key, for sure. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so finding love and understanding what love is and um, what it should be versus what people call it, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, how do you define love? I feel like that's one of those things that every single time I feel like I have a definition for love, I'm like, nope, that ain't it. I don't know if that's it. Mm -hmm. Nope. <laughs> nope. So I feel like it's just right now, like, you know, dot, dot, dot. I, I'm, I'm figuring it out. But um, what I will say is that I think some one of the dominant narratives that um, we kind of like are fed is like love is is like a right or a privilege afforded to some, or some people are more worthy of love than others. Um, and love is, is like hard work. I don't feel like this belief that some people are worthy of love and others are not, um, yeah. it's okay. And I think a lot of that is constructed by whiteness and colonialism. It is. it is, I think anything that has to do about like worth, right? About like, oh, well, some of us are just not worthy. Is bullshit. It is. Right. And I think also we, I mean, I think I had to take a minute to understand what love looked like or what love could look like, because I think 
I think society or media tells us so much that love is like that intimate relationship between partners Mm -hmm. that if we don't have that, then we don't have love, right? Mm -hmm. And we forget to not look at the love that we have for our friends or the love that we have for our family or the love that we have for like, like the people in our life. I think as humans, we should be able to love, right? Like it, like it should be something that pours freely from us. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing too, that, um, is reinforced is like, love is like all encompassing. It's everything. Love yeah. is supposed to fix you. Love is supposed to heal your past. Love is supposed to resolve your insecurities. You know, <laughs> love oh. is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not all of those things. It's not this magic pill that yeah. was. If we take it, just if we take a pause and just think about like defining the thing that media has said love is, like I think it's pretty easy to do that, right? Like for me, that that media love or like the love that isn't really real, but the love that I thought was real was like that a little obsessive. It was all encompassing. It. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like also a magic pill. Like you said, I really like that because it really was supposed to fix you. And then it also in some ways how it was supposed to change you. Yeah. You know? Um, and now that I am, okay, would you have anything to add to that? <laughs> I think, I think you really captured most of it. Um, besides, I just want to reinforce, like I said, this, this belief that whether it's stated directly or indirectly, that some people deserve love more than others. Yes. More lovable than yes right and sometimes you just don't have it kid yeah exactly absolutely absolutely so I and I think like now that we've kind of started to lay it all out it's like these are the exact opposite of what love is Mm -hmm. right and um I think I'm not a religious person but the Bible has that thing about like love is patient love is Mm -hmm. kind it does not envy it does not boast it right like and there is something that feels really true about that. Like love is supposed to be, or at least how I think about it, I think it should be supportive, right? It should be able to hold you up. I think love is not joy, right? Love does not bring you up and above the moon (laughs) and keeps Mm -hmm. you there, right? But I think maybe there's something sustainable about it. There should be something sustainable about it. I agree. Yeah, I fully agree. And I like that. I think in my younger years, the way that I would define love was was largely based on what I learned as a Christian yeah, growing up yeah. in the church and, you know, going back to that scripture in the Bible that really defines and lays out love. Um, and I think a lot of it still rings true for me, but mm-hmm. I found myself in a space where I want to be able to draw on the wisdom of my lived experiences to define things for myself too. Yeah. And um, when I think back to like experiences where I just swore up and down that I was in love, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, maybe I wasn't you know? Um, and so I think that so much of it is like an emotion that we put a lot of like weight and responsibility on. Um, mm-hmm. and I think all emotions are important, you know, yeah. I think fear is important, you know? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. Right. And so I think like love is important, but also love isn't like this magic, you know, fix it's it. Not, yeah. And I just want to always have, you know, for someone. Yeah. I think, um, so well, I said it before, but like I'm in a committed relationship and honestly, mm-hmm. this is the moment where I feel like I've had like a big uh, love myth like cracked open <laughs> for me mm-hmm. recently because I think this idea that love changes you, right? Or it's supposed to like fix your problems or heal your past. And what I've been learning is that being in a, in a healthy relationship with someone means that it is cracking open my past in a way that is making me have to work through it. Whew. Now right? that I can get behind. That is true. <laughs> 
and that shit sucks. Like, <laughs> like it That's is it. the ghetto. It is the ghetto. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really shitty. It's really yeah. shitty. Like no cap, it's real shitty. But I, but I think that's not what I anticipated, right? And I think what also I've been finding is that it, because I want to be with her, it makes me want to be better, right? It makes me want to like do the thing. So on one hand, I'm like looking at this shit pie in front of me and being like, this is ass. And then on the yeah. other hand, I'm like, maybe I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, and, and, and also like, I think I want to do it. I do want to do it. Yes. It's just like, also look at it, it's shit. <laughs> right, but I think <laughs> you said something so important that resonates with me when I think about what love is. And it is this desire for me personally to yeah. want to be and do better for this yeah. person, right? Yeah. And whether it's for my children, whether it's for a romantic yeah. partner, whether it's for my student, like there's yes! love there because this person pushes me to want yes. to be a better version be of myself. Better. And I'm okay with the hard part that comes along with it because for me, it's worth it. Yes. Okay. So I think this is what this links back to what I said earlier about how love is so much bigger than we think it is when we just confine it to relationships, right? The love that we have for our students, that's love, right? And I think like it feels, and you're totally right. The love I have for my students makes me want to be a better teacher. It makes me want to be like, it makes me want to learn more, right? And be better for the next batch. It it, it motivates me, right? Um, And it, and that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges. It doesn't mean that there aren't shitty days, right? It just means that overall, I feel, yeah, I it, like it sustains me, right? I can keep it going. And I think that's, and I, I say it as a joke a lot, but I think, but I'm, but I'm not joking that um, to be a teacher, you have to love it. You, to be a great it, teacher. To be a great teacher, you have to love it. It is a labor of love. It is. It, it is. is a labor, like to to do the kinds of work that I know you've done, to do the work that I know I've done yep. for our students for at any given moment, right? Even though we know that we're not getting paid for it at that moment, or we know that it's taking from something from us personally, it's like, I, I see their little faces in my head and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like all of you are worth it, you yes. know? Yes, that's so important. Um, yeah. I want to know what you think about this narrative. This is another one of the dominant narratives that is yeah, yeah, yeah. pushed is like, um, you must love yourself first before yeah. someone else can love you. What do you think about that? I, um, okay. So I feel very strongly about this because, uh, RuPaul says at the end of every episode, like, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, and I feel really complicated about it. I feel really complicated about it. So yeah. I, I want to start with like, the fact that I've always had really low self-esteem mm, point blank period. I've had really low self-esteem. I think like the older I get, the more it's because I think um, I uh, was different than a lot of people that I grew up with. And that made me feel bad. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think I grew up with a lot of self-esteem issues. And yeah. I also learned in therapy that sometimes outside factors or outside supports get a bad rap. Right. Yeah. And that sometimes they can sustain you until you have it in yourself. And I think it's really important to have it in yourself. But I also don't think that you can't be loved That's if you great. don't love yourself. Yeah. Right. Like, I think even in the moments where I felt like absolute dirt, mm-hmm. my friends look at me like I am a valuable person. Right. Exactly. My mom looks at me like I am the sun and the, the sun and the moon and the stars. Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, and it's like you don't have to be worthy of love. You don't have to feel like you're worthy of love and you don't even have to like yourself to be worthy of love. Mm -hmm. Just like, but you are loved because you are a human who lives in the world. That's right. 
Yeah, I loved your response to that. And I think that is very true for me. I think I've I've seen like both sides of this truth. Yeah. Um, that like you you need to love yourself first. Um, but then also like, does that mean if you don't love yourself first that you cannot be loved? And also what does that mean for a person of color who continuously takes in, you know, oppressive messages about themselves? And there's a lot of privilege in that statement. Love yourself first, where for some of us, um, that's easier than others. Right. right? Um, but I think that for me, when I look at the, the truth of like how I showed up in relationships, when I was on an intentional self-love journey versus when I wasn't. Okay. So that shit, that shit. Exactly. That right. Shit. So that there's truth to it because for yes. me, I really, I don't think I was able to like truly experience the love that another person had for me when I didn't see myself as worthy of that love. I actively, my partner is a saint because I'm a gremlin and whenever she wants to love me I my first instinct is to push her all the way away that's my true. first instinct right that's like true. and it and I think and I think that's the thing about the statement that really kills me is because there is some some truth to it if it you don't find worthy like and I know this because like I have chosen so many romantic partners and when I tell you so many of them were terrible and right and like not just terrible people right just terrible for me yeah right exactly right? And they allowed me to repeat patterns that were unhelpful, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it means to like pick terrible people. It may be not that like they're assholes. It just means that they are allowing you to repeat a cycle that you feel like you aren't worthy of getting out of, right? And I think that's what not loving yourself puts you at risk of, right? Mm-hmm. Loving yourself means that you have standards, means that you're willing to say no to people who do something as little as make you feel bad so true you know but when you don't love yourself or also when you feel like you are deserving of pain or deserving of suffering it's really easy to put up with that because you're like this is just what it is yeah yeah that's so good um I think about this a lot I think about this a lot (laughs) that's good I think that's important and I I I think I have too over the years is like it's just been a thing of you know especially now because I am dating um I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a pause but um, but I'm still dating and, you know, I do want to have another relationship that's healthy and, and yeah. amazing at some point. And so I'm asking myself these questions yes. um, more and more too. And I am, I've been on an intentional self-love journey and I've yeah. just seen my ability to like show up again, even in non-romantic relationships with my Absolutely. kids, you know, friends differently. So I do think yeah. even though you don't have to love yourself first to be loved, I think there's benefit to it and be very liberating. And it can be very liberating. And I think also like, I think it's really, it's also really important in terms of being black and being brown, right? Because, mm. and because of like all of these things that you've already said about in taking in all of these negative messaging, I think yeah. sometimes it takes seeing how fiercely other people love you, like like the good people in your life, how, how fiercely they love you to give you an idea about what it feels like to love yourself. Oh, I love that you just said that because that was a thing that I think um, I was thinking and then forgot. <laughs> but I was thinking like there, you know, I can vividly think of one relationship I had like years ago. Well, I know now, like in hindsight, that this person really loved me. And I think at that time, because I didn't like see like the aspects of myself that were lovable, um, I kind of wrote it off a little bit. Yeah. Um, but like experiencing that from him, and it was like unwavering, like no matter what I did, I even think I was in some ways trying to push him away. Um, he still kept coming back. And that taught me, you know, 
after some time, like I can actually actually be loved by a person in this way and not have to do anything. Anything. Yes. And I think this is like, this is something about the legacy of slavery that we have to work for everything we've gotten. All my life I've had to fight. Right. Right. I think that that line is so iconic for so many reasons, but I think it's like the truth of it all. Right. Like the fact that and like, I was literally on the phone with my mom. This is going to get deep, y'all. Sorry. I was on the phone with my mom today, today. And she was like, you have to take care of yourself. You have to love yourself more. Like you have to do it, right? Like the idea that that I feel like in my life, generally, if I am not doing something for someone else, if right. I am not doing period, yeah. if I am not working, then I am not worthy. I have to actively, like, there is something in my brain that is like, if you are active, then you are worthy. But it seems like in reality, those two things are not the same thing. That's so true. Right? There are so many times where my partner just sees me bustling around the house, just bustling. And then she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, doing insert thing here. And she's like, staying busy. She's like, you haven't sat down. Yeah. For the yep. last 45 minutes. And I'm wondering, and it's 1130. I'm wondering if we're going to sit down at any point. And sometimes I'm like, nope, not going to sit down. I'm going to like, sorry, right. <laughs> this train it's is already going. Rain. I think that's a yes. lot of us. Like, yes, it's the reality. There is a lot of us. I still struggle too, with just being still and just, just like still. having a day of just rest I feel like I'm getting better at it but yeah it's 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 a real challenge it's a real it's a real challenge and also like it's like that that idea that if and I think this is capitalism that also makes it bad but the fact that like our ancestors were enslaved and it was literally like this for us Mm -hmm. if we weren't doing something or providing explicit value for someone then it was our ass on the chopping block right Mm -hmm. and I think it feels like that in relationships it sometimes feels like that at love it feels like that in our jobs sometimes our jobs all the time. It, it just is like that for our jobs, right? Um, which is why, like, don't give these jobs shit, y'all. <laughs> they don't right. love you. Not do more than what not do more. They don't love you. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not worth it. It's, just it's not, not worth it. It's not worth it. They would chew you up and spit you out. Listen, I need to tell somebody at work no right now. Um <laughs> I think we all do. That's, listen, that's somebody saying no to. Listen, there was something really important about I saw Beyonce. So I and she, there was a song where she says no firmly and repeatedly over the course of the song and it's like mm. it's good she's like no no and I'm like yeah I'm like no <laughs> you know um but yeah I think there's really something about saying no to that thought and also like laying down and resting as a moment of like both as a revolutionary act of being black but also as a way of like right. as like understanding that like even when we sit we are lovable we are worthy mm. we are good right and also like like honestly, without all of this shit, what would we be doing anyway? We would be sitting brawless in a field, eating right. fruit, doing art. Love it. And I feel like that that's the perfect like segue into the the next thing that I wanted to oh, yeah. like explore is like about you know being compassionate to ourselves as as people of color, as black people, as indigenous yeah. people, like you know, it's hard because we do have to work, we feel like for so many things in this life to overcome, whether it's prejudice or, you know, various aspects of 
um, the responses that we get from the world, right? To us just merely existing, yes. that we then internalize that and we take that with us into our relationships. So, you know, I feel like a lot of us feel like we have to work for a person. We have to achieve a certain amount of money. We have to have a certain level of physical attractiveness. If we don't have a thing that we have, exactly. then maybe we're, I literally, well, like my car is gone, right? And I had a moment where I was like, what if my partner leaves me because I don't have a car? That's a real like, thing. It's a real, it's a real thing. But then it's or like, it, do they look at me less than because I don't have a because I don't have a car, right? And it's like, and then you start and you think about it, and you're like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the fact that we can name that says a lot because, like, the reality is, t a lot of people would like firmly say yes. Like yes. I need a working car to get a woman or a man or to be someone who's worthy and that right. you do too. Right. It's just not the reality as and people it's not the reality. As in general. Um, so I think we have to like really be mindful of our mindsets. We go into yeah, dating, we do. We into relationships and like that we carry these things with us. And some of us would like put this under the umbrella of preferences. Well, yeah, I don't feel like I have to have those things, but okay. I have preference for a person. Let's talk about preferences though. Let's do Let's that. real talk. Let's, we need Tina, to. You're the Let's best. Explore. Let's do that. Let's explore. <laughs> Let's explore. Okay. So I feel like there's a real fine line. There's a real fucking fine line between prejudice between mm-hmm. sorry yeah between prejudice and preference yeah yeah real fine line yeah right like I think it's fine to say like like I think it's fine to say like oh yeah I prefer big bodied women right mm-hmm. that is one thing versus I only date big bodied women because those skinny bitches are xyz yeah yeah yeah. Or, or even like, or even just like the exclusionary moment of it. Right. Like there is like, it's fine to have preferences, but also like people are people. Absolutely. And, we, and right, then also yeah. like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a push and I'm a challenge people to ask themselves, like, where did this preference come from? Just truly, ask yourself, where truly, might it have started? Is truly, there a, truly. perhaps any place in the media that might have, you know, uh, influenced a little yeah. bit? What do you remember be like yeah do you remember your parents saying something that now would be a little fucked up that <laughs> really just got in your head yeah yeah what I mean that? I don't I don't know I, I feel like when we talk about preferences I call bullshit every time I'm I do, like I do real with you I don't feel like that's that they're necessarily preferences and that your thoughts are always your own. A yeah, lot of yeah. times we make decisions and we think we have a preference but what we really want to do is like Listen. you know um get validation from other people. Listen, I dated white men so long because I thought that that's what I ought to do. And then only to find out that that was brainwashing, right? That was like compulsory heterosexuality and TV. That's what that was, right? Like no one, like white men are not inherently better. Actually, because of the systems, it's pretty pretty far the opposite, unfortunate. Yeah, here we are, right? Like, it, and it, but it took me that moment to be like, And I was actually talking about this um, to my friend the other day because being queer and non-binary, I came out later in life at uh, 27. And -hmm. it was after I got divorced from being married to a man. And I was talking to my sister about this. And the moment, I cannot describe the moment of being married, right? Like we were married for like a couple of months already. Mm -hmm. And suppose it, and like, you know, we were moved in together. We both had jobs. Like we were doing the whole like, heterosexual domestic bliss thing whatever right and like I was and I was just sitting there and I was like I'm supposed to be happy this is it this is supposed to be what makes me happy why am I miserable yeah same 
why do I hate my life? Like, what is going on? And then it was like, holy shit, I'm living a life. I'm not living my life. I'm living the life that people told me that I ought to be living. Same, same. I, that re- resonates so hard with me. I think there was definitely a place in my marriage where I sat and I realized that one, this was not going to be always. I, I had already felt an shit. Injury. Yeah, girl. Yeah, I was yes. like, this. At some point, I'm not. I'm going to be free of this, which was yes. problematic because yes. I was full <laughs> blown immersed it. in the marriage, <laughs> right? And I'm like, one day this will not be my reality. Oh, girl, I was <laughs> like, maybe he'll die. I don't know. Um, but that. But then too, like, how could this be? This is all of the things I was told that I should have. I did all of the things right. Right, and you know. Um, and so I think too, when we think about like our preferences, it's not to say that we can't have preferences. Like, of yeah. course we can, right? Obviously, but I yeah. think it's important for us to interrogate that because when yeah. we know that a lot of our, you know, programming, our social conditioning, those are not our thoughts. We can't just stop there. We have to bring a critical, yeah. you yes. know, a, a lens to all of the decisions that we make. And then yes. ask ourselves, in what ways has whiteness maybe influenced my preferences yes. dating? What about right. capitalism, right? What about right. colonialism? Right. And what what? being influenced still by the media, right? Right. And um, also the, the relationships that you see growing up, right? Like how, Ooh, like, yeah. were those okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And and if they weren't, did you think they were? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think a lot this, of us this can't pre- like articulate, or I know I personally can't, I don't want to speak yeah. for everyone, but like when you are like in um, spaces where, you know, you see married couples, um, you don't necessarily know what goes on behind closed doors. Um, but with the ones that I was able to like really be in their lives, like those, a lot of those relationships were dysfunctional and yet yeah. and still they were praised because they had been together for X amount of years. And, you know, they had this property together and they had this, you know what I mean? And it's oh, like, you know, but, drop are people bombs. happy? Yes. Are they happy? Yeah. Can that be the measure for success? Uh, we talked about this a little bit when we talk about like social media, but um, how interesting it is to follow someone who has a partner. And it's like, you see all these posts and they're doing yeah. all these like fun couple things. They're doing little dances, you know, they're laughing at each other. They're trying on each other clothes, outfits, the get ready with me's right. And then one day you see a post and it's like, we're going our separate ways. I'll always love you. But right now is not the time. Right. And, and then you're like, go. Like what happened like, between? Yes. And it's like, and I think that's the moment where you realize that A, social media is not real and B, exactly. looks can be deceiving. And actually, I'll go a step farther. Look, looks are deceiving. Mm-hmm. What you yeah. see is not, is rarely what you get in a relationship, right? And also like, I think also the purpose of a relationship, right? What do you want this for? Ask that right? Like, 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 let's ask all these questions, right? Do you feel like you need to be validated and that's why you want a relationship? You might actually need a therapist. Because it's not your partner's job to validate you. Because it's not your your partner's job to validate you. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that question gets asked enough. And I I don't think so either. Let's talk about like that transactional relationships because that's what that is, right? Ownership. Ownership. I, um, I talk about my dad a lot because he was great but I remember being very young I was like seven and he was like Mm -hmm. listen to me people want to will want to treat you like love is about ownership love Mm -hmm. is about freedom if you love someone you let them go because they will stay with you because they want to be with you right and he's like never let anybody own you and never think that you own anybody I don't think 
I don't think I did well on one of those, but I think <laughs> I'm getting better, you know? Um, and I think, and I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot. And I think about that a lot with the legacy of slavery um, in this country with Black folks, yeah. right? And how yeah. capitalism has also turned into this like luscious hellscape. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's something about love that has translated into capitalism, right? Especially when you hear, especially dudes talk about like, oh, I have to make more money if I'm going to date because like dating yep. is expensive. I have to be able to spend money, whatever, whatever. And it's like- Or they want this, a certain type of woman certain, based yes. on the income that they bring in. Right. Yep. Right. And it's like, love is not like, this is what, and, and like, and like, also I feel like what you are asking or what you are trying to invite in with that thought is like, you want a business partner. That's right. You don't want a partner. <laughs> you want someone to be in business with. And I think if that's what you want, then that's fine. But don't come to someone being like, I want love and commitment when what you want is transactional value. That's right. It's it's, it's more of a transaction and in right. no way is that, or can that become- It can that be thing, a thing. A transformational relationship. I also think, um, I'm just going to get on my history soapbox for a minute. Like the way that colonization has happened for a moment or the way that colonization has happened has started with men feeling like they need to own everything Absolutely. right they need to own their, their okay. women they need to own the children they need to own the land they need to own the food they need to even make up a thing so that they can own more of that to feel more powerful and because that has been the system that has dominated the rest of the world, suddenly we have we have us, Black folks, Brown folks, whatever folks, being like, oh, I have to bring, and it's like this, this idea of, um, what was it? Like back in the day in order, a dowry, like you have to have a dowry, yeah. right? And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, are we, like, like, is this is is this a business interaction? Like, am I paying you to take? Yeah. What yeah. this? But it works like it, it's almost like a hand in glove because like they're the narrative for women then is that like you need to be this trophy, you need to be mm -hmm. this, you know, this piece that can be put up on a shelf, and you need right. to also um allow your man to dominate so you be submissive right See, and, and like this whole talk ooh. about submission and being submissive for me is like really it's, initially I was like huh okay no and now that I see it like everywhere on social media and everybody's co-signing everybody's agreeing I'm like are you serious I'm like y'all let's just think about this for submission do you know what submission means and this is like you said something earlier that I didn't get a chance to to really touch on because I Think about like, cause I, I, like, I was like, oh shit, the critical lens, right? Like yeah. thinking about every, like, like really asking why, right? Like, why, why is this like this? And I think, and I think this is another moment where people say things and then they don't stop to think about what they just said. Mm -hmm. You want to submit or you feel like somebody should submit to you. Submission is literally like you are going under, yeah, right? Really like you are going power. Yes, you are literally going, like that person is going so far under exactly. where they usually are in order mm -hmm. to put you on top. Yes. Is that yes. what we want? Right. And also like, what, tell me a good relationship that has come out from this. Tell me a relationship where people have not come out, like, like where you have not, where you've come out healthy, right? Where you didn't yes. come out broken, battered and bruised after that. Right. And for me, like if love is liberating, why would anyone feel this need to yeah. um, 
to control, dominate, or own another person yes. in any way. And how mm-hmm. can I, as the other partner, the woman or whatever, um, feel liberated if someone yeah. has to control, control, dominate, and then own you know, so many aspects of how I show up and what I have right. access to and what I do right. with my time? right? Right. That's not the definition of love. It's not the definition of love. And that's not what any of this is. I think, so I, um, I feel like most of my childhood and early adolescence, actually most of my childhood, adolescence and early adulthood is marked by a complete and utter gender problem. Like I was having a gender crisis. Um, my whole, my help my whole childhood. Uh, and now that I have come out as like non-binary, then mm-hmm. it's easier for me to identify it as a gender crisis. But I think sometimes cis people don't quite realize how much narrative there is around like, this is what girls do. Yeah. This is what boys do. Gender roles. This is what the, the, the relationship between boys and girls must be, right? And any deviation of that makes you feel like a capital F freak right okay from the very right and I think there's and I think this is something that is not unique to me as a non-binary person or for someone who has like a trans experience I think this is something that a lot of like even cis folks bump up against a gender role or bump up against a wall of a gender and are like what the fuck right like there's so many moments like that and I think for me I just remember it felt like being blind and just running into walls all the time because there were things like you can't do that you're a girl you should do this, you're a girl. You should act this way because you're a girl. You shouldn't act this way because you're a girl. And like all the things that I wanted to do, all the things that I felt naturally driven to do were boy things. Mm. And there were a lot of people in my life who had a real problem with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? I think and a then, lot of people today have a real right? problem with that. Right. One of the reasons why they push against the, you know, the, um, conversations around like gender and being non-binary and trans folks all of that is rooted in people like really wanting to stick to these strict boundaries around gender roles and what it means to be feminine and what it means to be masculine right and I think at the end of the day all of that shit came down to like men having more things that they had right because if a man controlled a woman then that means that he could have as many children as he wanted right which was progeny which means that he could either give off the girls for money or have the boys do something else for like some like I like all of this is so it all goes back to greed it all it all goes back to capitalism it all comes back to capitalism in the end and it's like is that the kind of world that I want to live like I want to have a partner in crime you know like I want to plot with somebody like like I want to be I want to be like it's us and our people against everything else that feels like they have to be against us yeah and how are definitions of masculinity and femininity yeah defined by whiteness too right I think that when I was one of the things that I loved doing when I was teaching um you know, eighth graders was, was talking about like ancient African civilizations and history. And um, when we talked about like the Kush empire, we talked about like the women who were um, absolute warriors and who were in charge of everything. And they were so amazing and powerful and they were excited. The the boys and the girls, right? Everyone was excited about like this new information and this knowledge. Right. And so, you know, that makes me wonder, like, how we define what is feminine, right, right. is very much so, of course, shaped in also by whiteness. Whiteness. That, that is, yes. like, 
femininity shows up in so many different ways. And I think yes. that when we even think about like adolescence and teenage years and we're learning who we are and we're coming into our bodies, like um, so many and of our us, sexuality. our sexuality, right? And not necessarily knowing. And I think even still now, this is a thing that a lot of people are learning, uh, myself included, like the differences between like gender and sexuality, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, many of us question our sexuality because we don't necessarily even feel like we fit into a specific gender, right? Yes. Like, I don't feel very feminine according to all of these criteria. Yes. Am I and I think not and there's, female enough? Am I not right. feminine enough? Am I not mom, woman enough? What does it yeah. mean to be a woman, right? Exactly. And I think, um, so there's so much, there's so much around, and I think especially as like Black folks and as Black women, right? There's so much around what our femininity looked like was in opposite or in like in opposal to what white femininity was yes. and white femininity was the ideal and we were aggressive we were not dainty we were too big we were uncivilized right like all of these things that we that aren't a judgment that we just right and some of us are and some of us aren't right and it doesn't matter but like these roles were set up to control us right? They don't matter. And I think also going back to like talking about ancient civilizations that were matrilineal or also other civilizations that had a place in the social structure for queer people or had a place in the social structure for like trans and non-binary people, right? Yes. Like, like the fact that this information gets lost means that we are still here, but we feel like we don't have a place, even though we have a place that is time honored, right? And I think also that there are so many ways to be like, and I think this is my thing about gender, right? Period. I think that there are as many genders as there are people, right? Yes. We all express our gender a little differently. Some of us express our gender across the spectrum. Some of us only dabble within a few feet of from like where we're originally stationed, right? And I think like it takes a moment for you. I think if I wasn't constantly running up against like all of these gender roles that felt not only wrong, but um, restrictive for me, uh, then I don't think I would have thought about it. And I think I have friends or have known people who didn't think that much of it, right? But the more you, but to ask yourself, like, am I really the gender? Like, how do I know that I'm my gender? How do I know that I identify with my gender? How do I know that my sexuality is my sexuality? Right, like just asking those questions gives us an out, right? Gives us a path to start turning around and looking at this thing that has been constructed without our consent. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot of like liberation in finding a term that defines who you believe you are. Yeah. But I think it's also simultaneously boxing us into yes. that really don't define who that we are. That really don't, right. And I think <laughs> also know? like, Yes. And I think this yeah. is the, this is the double-edged sword about is. labels is that like, in some ways they can really help you feel like you belong. And in yes. some ways, if you want, ever want to back out of it, you feel like you can't, but yeah. I think that's the other thing about sexuality that yeah. we also, yeah. and I think we, we talked about this a little earlier, but I think there's something about whiteness that makes everything linear and also rigid. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so there's these, so the fact that like, once you come into a label, now you're boxed in, yeah. right? When really all of these things are permanent are like they're they're porous right the boundaries are porous you can be like and I, I, okay so i'm just gonna talk about my gender for a minute so i identify as um as non-binary and gender fluid so i feel like my gender changes uh 
is cyclical. It mm-hmm. is based on it's literally based on the weather. It's literally based on the weather. Um, during the winter, I feel more masculine. And during the summer, I feel more feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, my braider gave me really long hair and I'm really feeling the femme fantasy this summer. <laughs> and I'm like dying. Like it feels amazing. But if I had long hair in December, I would feel really dysphoric and I would be really unhappy. Yeah. Right. Um, but in June and July and August, it's good. Right. So, so for me, um, it's cyclical and, and, and it, and it comes around every year, but it's not the same. It's not the same every day of the year. Right. Right. And I feel like sometimes those labels, so like gender fluid, non-binary, they allow me space in ways that I feel like I need, but also, and also like, it gives me a general arena. Right. But I also know that there are lots of like, non-binary folks who like really at the end of the day like if I could my pronouns would change every day Mm, right just because like that's just what it is and then there are some people who are just like I have no gender I am neat right Mm. like and that's good yeah and I think Um, a lot of like I think that the way that when we think about like white supremacy and how it influences um, you know the way we behave and the way we feel like we need to like really hard to find things that there needs to be proof and evidence that this is true (gasps) right like that is part of the reason why we feel like we have to like people have to explain things like on a regular day like in in this particular month I feel this way right is that okay no it's not according to white supremacy it's not because everything you then do is a reflection of that particular label right right, that you have decided to adopt and um I just don't think that that's the way of of nature. I don't think People. that's us. I don't think when we think no. about our emotions, when we think about our bodies, when we think about our thoughts, when we think about ourselves internally, there are so many changes and fluctuations and there's just absolutely no okay. need to have to be stuck in a place. Stuck anywhere. So this is what I was trying to say that I didn't actually get to was that everything is a spectrum and that we should be allowed to slip and slide on the spectrum because yeah. like we're all, we're all slipping and sliding anyway. Right. And I think And I think like we have to, as people, we have to let ourselves do that, right? And I think also if it wasn't for this kind of rigidness or like this idea that like you said you were X, so now you have to be X. And you also, you have to be my idea of X. Like as a non-binary person, people want me to be really more androgynous than I feel like I am, right? Or they're like, oh, are you really this Mm -hmm. because you... you know you have x y and z or like Mm -hmm. i you know have my tits out or whatever right like like like, no like none of this none of this changes anything right and i mean all of this is important because when we think about relationships and we understand that things are more cyclical than linear um that gives us like the mindset to like create space for the changes for our people our partners right for like love and the way that it shows up and like I've heard people who have been together for like a really long talk time talk about how love changes and how there does stages and levels to it yes and Um, how like every in every stage you give them you have to give them something different because they need something different we're all evolving and I think you know having like love should be about being with someone who you can evolve with yeah, agree. And that's so important. And I think if we only look at things as like linear, like having a really clear start in and way middle. of being, uh, we don't then have like the capacity for when the changes come and right. oh. quickly looking to escape and, and to change, yeah. and find something new and a new thrill and a new feeling. 
right. when in actuality, you know, again, there are times when you need to, right? Obviously your relationship no longer serves you and you may outgrow that. Um, and that's very, very- and that's true. real. And that happens. It is a real thing. But also yeah. we have to like change the way that we look at <laughs> the world in general. I uh, was reading this thing about how um, in a lot of indigenous cultures, the homes are shaped in circles or the communities are shaped in circles and how in a lot of like white spaces, it's a lot of right angles and how when you're used to seeing right angles, you literally start to see things differently because of how the dimensions work. Versus yeah. if things are in a circle, you start to like understand how they fit in space differently because and you are in a circle, you. right? And I think also if we think about like when I envision a line, it's so thin. And then there's all of this blank space above and below it. True. Right? Thinking about it as a sphere helps encompass all of all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it like like we can give, and I think what what you just said talked a lot about um like instant gratification in some ways. It talked a lot about appearances and it talked a lot about like like an idea of something versus what it is, right? And I think we have to give more space to sure. what things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and allow them to constantly evolve, right? Evolve, not yeah. necessarily be, um, you know, confirm what we think they need to be at that specific time. You know, I, oh, I was just thinking about this earlier. Like, we need to always have a learner mindset. And yes, growth mindset. Yeah, that that learner that growth <laughs> mindset is so key to so many aspects of our lives, but especially relationships. Because if yeah. you need it to be a thing and then it's not that thing, you may miss out on something really, really great. Give it time. Let it evolve continue to like approach it from the lens of I'm trying to learn because there's so many things we still don't learn about ourselves, right? We oh, were constantly God. learning about sides of ourselves in these relationships that we didn't even know were, were there, right? I, yes. Okay. So this brings me on to um, the idea of a failed relationship. <laughs> so I feel like people sometimes, you know, there's this idea that uh, a relationship has failed or this is a failed marriage. This is a failed yeah, relationship, yeah. whatever. And I um, really push back against that idea because I don't think that there's anything. I don't think a relationship has failed if you have learned something about either yourself or about somebody else yes. in the process. Right. Yeah. And I feel like relationships are nothing but those two things. For right? sure. And yeah. I think just because the relationship ends doesn't mean that it's failed. It means that you've learned something. <laughs> yeah. And that's a win, you know, for me. And I it think is. So, same. It could be a win for most of us. I think yeah. we be pushing like the narrative of, you know, failing forward, which again, failing, for failing is in and of itself is, 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 has like a little bit of a negative connotation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. But if we like don't fail, so we don't. Greatness learn. that comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have to do something shitty in order to be kind of sort of good at it at some point. And relationships are literally no different, especially in, the world that we live in. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Like we all see relationships um, that we either idolize or have idolized that as it turns out, we're not super good. And <laughs> now we have issues, TM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, as we, um, as we start to, to think about like what it means to really show up in those relationships in a way that will allow us to experience like the fullness of what they have to offer us yeah um, one of the things that that I think about when it comes to like reframing our approach to dating and relationships is really being in tune with our partner and being okay with intimacy um, I feel like in the the dominant uh, narrative in the media especially for men right is that Ooh. intimacy equals sex so men, men are supposed to be this like sex craved 
machines. <laughs> and that is how they earn intimacy. But like the real intimacy, when the woman wants to talk, right? And when she's like, hey, I want to talk, then he's like, let me tell you about my day. Escape, right? He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to be present um, and be in tune with, with the needs of his partner. So yes, I think like approaching dating from a lens of um, like honesty, authenticity, and mm-hmm. Um, and, and truth is like understanding that like intimacy is an absolute important part yeah. of what it means to be connected. Um, yeah. And a lot of us have work to do. Like we have to really heal aspects of our past, yeah. like traumas. Um, some of us have had relational abuse. Yes. Uh, we've had a, just a pattern of unhealthy relationships. Lots and those, are ten, those tend to be the things that lead to the fear of intimacy. Yeah. But again, if you are just paying attention what's in the media, there's a lot of, of a narrative that almost supports that and incentivizes it, especially for men. When yes. she's getting ready to talk, you need to go, you know, go left. Yeah. Right? It's like, ha ha ha. We don't like that talky shit. <laughs> that. And I also yeah. think too, like to add a layer of complexity to it is like understanding yeah, on. shared history as people mm. of color. Um, whether you're in a, a interracial relationship or if you're oh, yeah. dating someone who shares your same race or ethnicity, I think it's still important, right? Because all yes. of that still influences the way that we show up, the way we experience love, um, our past and experiences from childhood. And how we communicate that love to each other, right? Yes. Like if we've only been around people who have experienced or exchanged love in what feels like abusive patterns, then that's what we do. And if we don't critically think about it and, and back it up, then we can't. Yeah, give the kind of like we can't give good supportive love. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that was a a a common theme in my marriage and that really became a barrier for us was our cultural differences. So Mm -hmm. um, he was from France, born and raised there. I'm born and raised here in the South Side of Chicago. Huge difference, right? When it comes to like cultural beliefs, ways that we show up, the role of a woman, the role of of a man, gender roles, stereotypes. Yeah, Um, and I really wanted to like I couldn't I didn't have the language to articulate that then but in hindsight I realized now like that was one of the biggest barriers and if we had been able to talk through those things and understand like well what aspects of this are serving us and then what aspects of this are not not. what can we do to change this because our relationship is ours we get to define how we show up and what we want from each other right I think those are conversations that they play Mm -hmm. themselves out in all of our relationships whether we address them or acknowledge them directly or not Ina, speaking nothing but truth, speaking nothing but truth, speaking nothing but truth, <laughs> speaking nothing but truth, girl. Yes. Uh, like, okay. So yeah, Jesus, that <laughs> I can't even like, I'm flabbergasted. Like you've gotten me, you got me speechless. Like, I, like, I really think that that's it. We mm-hmm. really have to be able to talk about these things. And then also we have to be able to uh, so this is what some this is something that queer people talk about a lot about how like how lucky we are to be queer because we don't have a pre-written script for what our relationship yeah, has to look like and each of us have to do the really important work of defining what our lives will look like together and I think if more people took that into their mm-hmm. own hands it doesn't matter what gender you are it doesn't matter it doesn't. what color you are you have to make your own way in the relationship and you have to decide that in all of these things is this what you want is it serving you yeah, and if yeah. it's not what would be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah. and, and i think with your partner i think also starts with just like you have to also know yourself you can't have these conversations yeah. if you haven't done if the you work on your mm-hmm. own self to understand like the complexities of how your parents showed up your and your grandparents your ancestors right and how that influences the way you show up 
Yeah, absolutely. And if we don't know ourselves, we can't communicate about any of that. It's hard. Right? And I think it's harder. It's so, and I think even just um, the feeling of having that, because I think I have a similar thing where my my ex-husband, there's a lot of reasons why it ended, but I think the mm-hmm. cultural differences is one. He was white. I am yep. not. Um, mm-hmm. And I've lived my whole life as Black. <laughs> and <laughs> that changes things, right? Sure. Um, and I think like, he wanted to say, and he like, like a classic white dude, he was like, does it really matter though? And I was like, yeah, oh. it does. It really fucking does. And he was like, does it? And I'm like, yeah, it fucking does. And he didn't understand why that was a big deal for me. And that's right? the privilege. And that's a, and that's a privilege, right? And so I think there's, we have two separate, we have two cases here, right? One yeah. in which is like, like to know ourselves is to be able to have this conversation, one. Two, once you're able to have the conversation, you can then make a better decision, better, like a better decision exactly. for you, right? Like, yeah. is this something that I'm willing to entertain? Yeah. And yeah. Is this like a brush or is this a tension that I'm willing to work through? Is this a tension that I'm not? Because I think yeah. like, it worth it. right. And I think like with my, with my ex, it was like, do I trust you to do the work of trying to care about mm. every other black person besides me? Yes. No, I don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have it in you. <laughs> and that's a hard question. That's a hard question to have to ask of a partner, of someone yeah. that you've already committed your life to, right? Yeah. And that's a really challenging thing to have to navigate, but it is a real thing. It's a real thing. Think about, especially if we're choosing yes. to date someone who is of a different race. Right. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a conversation. If you're you having to be able to talk about it, you navigate this world from an entirely different lens. Different you want to be able to have a safe space in your partner to talk about these things. They are not going to ever understand what it's like to be you, but they have to have the ability to show up for you. Yes. Just, right? Yes. Um, to be able to say space and the intimacy and, and to be able to really hear you, right? Hear beyond yeah. like the pain, hear beyond the frustration. Um, and I think too, when you know yourself and you you are aware of like what you need, you can ask for it more. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that was also a problem. I didn't really know what I needed. All I knew was that something was really wrong and I was I was ready to take flight anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think the ability to ask for what I need, needed maybe would have changed things, right? I think like there's, but I think even in not that relationship, there's many others that I can think of like my ability to ask for what I need, my ability to identify and ask for what I needed could have changed a lot of things. And I think a lot of our relationships are, they serve that purpose of yeah. helping us to identify, identify what, we, what we need so that when we go into the next relationship, we kind of know yeah. about what, um, what we need to be happy and to, to I, sustain. Yeah. I feel like, so I want to go back just a little bit and talk about men briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, just to say, if there are any men listening, please go find another man, give him a hug because you both need it. Oof, right. Right. I think there's so much about uh, patriarchy that has given men such a short stick because they don't get to enjoy intimacy. And I also want to define intimacy by saying that like having someone help you clean out your car is more intimate than having sex with them. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Right. Having someone help you pack is more intimate than eating ass. T, I feel like there's a certain level of vulnerability that must be present for you to be intimate. Exactly. Right? And it's exactly. the things you don't necessarily want the other person to person see, to know see. that you expose, that creates yes. that bond, that creates that intimacy. Yes. And Which I think why those actions are more intimate than, yes. than the other. <laughs> than the other. Like you can eat anybody's ass. Everybody has right. an asshole, right? But like, 
not everyone is going to like let you see that fry that got slipped between the cushions and that was moldy right like not everybody like that is the shit and I think there's something about that about like the way that we see each other and begin to love each other is not necessary is not necessarily about the things that we're fucking rock stars at right it's like the little things that we are imperfect at yeah. Right, that people begin to love you. Right, my mm-hmm. friends love me because because I'm a gremlin. Right, they, they know I'm a gremlin. They know that. They know not to expect non gremlin like behavior. But yeah. like, but like the fact that they know and accept me and love me, despite the things that I feel as, um, as mm-hmm. like the bad things about myself. Right, and that's such a good point to bring up because since we are talking about dating and relationships, I think that's so counterintuitive to how we approach dating. We want yes. to. As our best selves, as right? our best selves all the time. Yeah, oh, we want to show up as our yes. most put together selves. Yes, all these things working for us. Yeah, yeah, on our best outfits and yes. we do our best. And this I is clean my house. Is totally like zoned out on a first yeah. date. You're going through the script. You're not really engaging. You're not really connecting, right? So I, I love that you mentioned that because I think when I think about the people that I have the most like love and admiration for and respect for us because I see them I see who they are I see their human sides right yeah and those who are perfect may make me feel a little bit like I don't know if I can attain that I don't know if I can be connected with this perfect person there's no real like pathway to to connect right Um, so I, I love that you brought that up yeah, it's the ways in which we fall short that make us human, that make us relatable, that make us lovable, right? <laughs> the exact things that make us that make us feel like we're not worthy is the thing that makes us the most worthy, right? The fact that none of us are perfect. Um, and the fact that we need other people. And perfectionism being a feature of white supremacy really blocks. Like, Girl, bless. hundred percent. You do not have to be perfect to be loved. You do not have to be, you do not have to be perfect. Actually. As a matter of fact, throw that away. Like throw that away. Honest self. Like, and if a person is afraid of that, like they don't have the capacity to really like see you right now. That's just the reality. I think, okay. And I think honestly, I think this is a lesson that I needed when I was younger. Like the people who don't like you, it is not your problem. They lack capacity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are not the problem. You are not the problem. And also like everybody has their flavor. And sometimes like that like and I think that's the thing that I've grown up learning about myself is that I'm a very particular flavor I'm a particular flavor some people love me some people really don't the ones who don't and I think you know what but you know what I think I think that's amazing that speaks to your authenticity that speaks to your ability to be who you are destined to be in this world because I think if you are everybody's flavor then whose flavor are you really like are you mimicking like are you mimicking what you see are you um, seeking to be accepted and to be validated in the spaces that you inhabit. Because the reality is when we are like the most in tune with ourselves um, and we We're are ruffle some the little quirks and the things that make us, yeah. weak, right. We are not going to be the norm. We're not going to be necessarily what everyone is used to. And I think a lot of us shy away from that. We're afraid to be that version of ourselves. Yeah. We just want to find like what's most like, what's most accepted. We adopt that and then we go out into the world. Right. But showing up as yourself takes a certain degree of courage. And to say that you're not everyone's flavor, I think speaks to your courage. I think it yeah. speaks to your authenticity. I think it's important. I think most more of us need to do that. Yeah, I think I think so too. I feel like for me, it was less of a um, like, oh, I'm making a good choice for myself and more of like the evidence suggests <laughs> that, that some folks really are into me for reasons that I can't tell. And some people are really not into me yep, for other reasons yep. that I also cannot tell. Um, and 
it seems like and like also like the other thing is like that's the self the the, the self-esteem part is like both in both cases none of those are my problem neither way that's right neither way neither yeah. way none of those are my problem yeah. what my problem is is um I'm so sorry I'm so sorry for this line I'm so sorry but I'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> do me like you're jerking in a mirror like <laughs> like it's to be so you that it's a little gross oh I love that I've never heard that before but I absolutely it's a childish Gambino line be really? like do do me like I'm jerking in the mirror but like do you like you're jerking in the mirror like yes wow. that's that's dope I love yeah it. you gotta you really gotta yeah um, for some of us, it's a journey just to figure out like who that is. Like, who I, am I actually? I think, honestly, you know? yes. Oh God. And I think this is why we have to talk so much about relationships because relationship is so much about you, right? Yeah. And you yep. understanding who you are and what you need. And also like the things that you didn't get growing up that you want, right? And then also finding another person who is their own human, with yeah. their own shit, mm-hmm. right? And like figuring out a way for you to both like coexist together. That's right, that's right. I love that. And I think um, as we wrap up, like what that brings to mind for me is the idea that relationships are mirrors. And I've heard that. Like ah! relationships are Jesus. that show us aspects of ourselves that ourselves. we might have seen, things that we might need, yeah. um, aspects of ourselves that we need to continue to heal. Yeah. Um, all of those things, yes. The thing that I want to end with, and I think I say this a lot, and it makes everybody go like, ah, uh, is um, parent and partner are only one letter off. Oof. And that I think there's like a lot of different things to take away from that. One is that um, mm. it goes back to your idea that our relationships are mirrors, right? Yeah. And that in some ways they show us what we need or what we didn't have or what we want, mm-hmm. right? And we have to be attuned to that. And also that um, everything, nothing is linear. Everything is cyclical, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Your relationship with your parents will show up. Oh, will it, it will show up. <laughs> and the question is, what are you going to do when it does? How are you going to show up? How are you going to show up? How are you going to show up when your mom, when your mom shows up? Mm. Oh God, I'm sorry. That was too much for me. That was that's too much for me. No, that's amazing. I'm so glad that we were leaving off on that note. Um, and so in our next episode, we are going to be inviting a guest to weigh in on uh, the dating love relationship conversation to offer a different perspective. So yeah, um, we're excited and we're looking forward to bringing on uh, Brandon Warks, who will um, add a little bit and, and contribute to this, this talk about dating from, um, from his unique land. So amazing conversation Absolutely. and yes. look forward to the next episode. Yes. Hell yeah. Thanks, Ina. And I'll see you all next time, podcast community. Hey, listeners. I just wanted to take a moment out to say thank you. We have the deepest gratitude for your support and your willingness to listen to our episodes on the Decolonize to Thrive podcast. I'm also asking that if you have just a few seconds that you take a moment quickly to rate and review our podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would mean so much to us if you left your feedback about how the podcast has impacted you or anything you might have learned so far. Secondly, we ask that you do share and follow our Instagram page at Decolonize to Thrive. And finally, we would love to feature your thoughts in a subsequent episode And you can share those by leaving a voicemail 
at 312-843-3033. Or you can email your thoughts to decolonize to thrive at gmail.com. That is decolonize number two thrive at gmail.com. Again, we thank you so much for listening and we appreciate your support. Thank you.